Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikbat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvatisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Amen. Thank you, Eric. Well, Shabbat Shalom again to everyone. So, uh, I'm uh, giving the message today. Um, as you know, uh, our associate rabbi, David Wine, has been away the last few weeks. He's been very busy uh, taking some uh, rabbinical courses and uh, teaching at another uh, congregation up in the D.C. area. And, and today he's, he's at the, the Tikkun America conference, in which they'll be finishing up tomorrow. So he's up there uh, celebrating and uh, representing Tikvat Israel for us up there. In fact, I was just up there earlier this part of the week, Mary and I, for part of the leadership portion. So, so, but he will be back here next week. Okay, well, usually when I give a sermon, I like to do sometimes a little bit of humor in the beginning. Yeah, it's just something I do. So, I got a couple riddles or questions for you. What excuse did Adam give to his children that he no longer lived in Eden. He told them, your mother ate us out of house and home. Okay. Okay, I got another one from the Torah here. Okay. Who was the greatest investor in the Bible? It was Noah, because he was floating his stock while everybody else was in liquidation. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, and, and the last one is from the Brit Chadashah. Okay. What kind of car did the 12 apostles drive? Well, it had to be a Honda because the Bible says they were all in one accord. Okay, it must have, must have been a clown car, all 12 of them in an accord. So they are getting bigger, though, so anyway. Well, Psst. she says she thinks she loves you. How many of you guys can remember back to high school? Now, for some of you like me, that was a long time ago. It's like when you really liked someone, but you weren't sure where you stood with them, you'd ask their friend or their friend would tell you, your friend, and she thinks she loves you. So then you thought, well, wait a minute, what does that mean? She thinks? Does that mean yes, no, or just maybe? Does she like me, or like me, like me, or just like me? Maybe it could go either way. I don't know. I better perform better. I better dress right. I better act cool. I want to impress her more. I need to be smarter, funnier. You know, I need to be kind of, you know, hip and cool. So I got to make a good impression so that she will love me. But when you know somebody loves you, you can relax. You can be yourself. You're not worrying about performing. You're not worrying about impressing. You do things to bless the other person because you care, you love. It's a secure feeling. Unfortunately, a lot of people in their relationship with God think the same way as when we were back in high school. Well, I think he loves me, 
but I'm not sure. Uh, I did something wrong yesterday, so maybe God doesn't love me. I better perform better. I better do things right. Then I can be sure that God loves me. So today I want to talk about knowing that God loves you. In the area of human relations, people tend to love conditionally. If you treat me, light, treat me right, I will love you. If you perform the way you're supposed to, if you perform the way I want you to perform, then I'll love you. If you act right, if you do things the way you're supposed to, then I will love you. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is nothing that you can do, there's no performance you can make to make God love you any more or less. Why is that? Because God's love is a gift. It's something he freely gives. So let's take the pressure off a little bit, okay? God's love is mentioned all through the Bible. You just have to read it to see that. What did the Apostle Shaul say to the congregation in Rome when it comes to love, concerning God's love? Can we pull up? There it is. In the letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. So there, he said it. If all these things, death, that's pretty fine, life, angels, spiritual beings, principalities, whether they're governments, big or small, powerful, powerful powers that could be spiritual powers, things present, things that are to come in the future, if none of them can separate us from the love of God, what makes you think that what you did yesterday will make him stop loving you? You know, that mess up thing you did, or maybe, you, you know. Well, I did tell a couple of lies yesterday. I cheated on my taxes. Ooh, well, that's not going to make God stop loving you. There may be consequences to that if you get audited, but he's not going to stop loving you. When your wife asked you, uh, what happened to that gallon of ice cream that was in the freezer? And you just say, I don't know. I don't, I don't see where I went. When you know you ate it. So, yes, God still loves you. He still loves you. Voices will tell you that uh, you're not good enough, you're a screw-up, you weren't, you weren't listening, you weren't religious enough. There are four gospel accounts of Yeshua's life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and of course John. But there's something unique about John, and of course, the gospel of John especially is an important theme for us in our congregation this year. The sheep hear my voice and they know me. Let's look at John. What, what, is, what is unique about what John says here? Okay, here's one of his verses. It says, One of his disciples whom Yeshua loved was reclining at his side. 
What do you think he was talking about? The disciple whom Yeshua loved. Which one could that be? Then uh, there's John 19 and verse 26. Yeshua saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. He tells his mother, woman, behold your son, the disciple whom he loved. And in John 21, 7, it says, therefore the disciple whom Yeshua loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Okay. The disciple whom Yeshua loved, the one he loved, the one he loved. Who do you think he was talking about? Was John being arrogant? Did he think he was better than everybody? Did he think he was trying to impress his disciple brothers? Do you think he was trying to impress us to this day, and even in 2019? Or was John just being confident? Was John, in effect, saying, Adonai, Lord, I know that you love me. I absolutely, absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt in my heart that you love me. Our portion in the Brit Hadashah, we've been in John chapter 11. Okay. And this is the, the story of Lazarus, right? What about Lazarus? He was from the town of Bethany. His sister, his sisters Miriam and Martha, they'd sent word to Yeshua. They said, Master, the one you love is sick. And it says now, Yeshua loved Miriam, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. He loved these guys. And they lived in Bethany, which is basically a suburb of Jerusalem. But then it says he waited two days to go to Bethany. And he was down by the Jordan River at this point, so it took him about four days to get to Bethany. This is after he knows that Lazarus is sick, very sick. You would have thought that if he loved him, Yeshua would have rushed there, but he didn't. And we read in John chapter 11, verses 20 and 22, when Martha heard that Yeshua was coming, she went out to meet him, but Miriam sat in the house. Martha said to Yeshua, Master, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. So he already died. He could have gotten there earlier, but he didn't. He says, I know, or she says, but I know even now that whatever you may ask of God, he will give you. See, Martha had confidence. Martha knew that she was loved. She knew that Yeshua loved her brother Lazarus. Obviously, it hurt her deeply that her brother had died. But she knew Yeshua could raise him from the dead. See, circumstances, something, sometimes things can hurt. It may not feel that great at the moment. Maybe sometimes you feel like or feel like he doesn't love me. Maybe you're going through some trials or tribulations. That's living out the circumstances of the moment. There was no, there was no question about the circumstances for Lazarus. He was dead. But things changed for him. Wow, in a big way. He was raised from the dead. You see, we need to approach our day 
like we know, we know, we know, we know that he loves us. Those of you who are parents, do you base your love for your children on their performance? When your children mess up, they make bad decisions, act wrongly, do you stop loving them? No. I don't think so. You may not be happy with them. You may be frustrated with them, but you don't stop loving them. How much more then will your heavenly Father love you in spite of yourselves, in spite of what we do? You know, during the 1960s, this is going back, there was a TV show called The Smothers Brothers. It was a comedy and music kind of variety show. So these two brothers, the comedians, Tommy and Dick Smothers, they had a lot of jokes about sibling rivalry. They would argue and tease each other back and forth until Tommy Smothers would finally say to his brother, yeah, but mom always liked me better. And that was like his winning line in arguments that I was always the one that mom liked better. Are you mom's favorite? Are you dad's favorite? But do you know you're God's favorite? Is that possible? Oh, yes, it is. You know how in your cell phone you've got the contacts and you have your favorites list? Well, guess what? If God had a cell phone, you'd be in his favorites list, every one of you. Luke chapter 19 tells us the account of Yeshua meeting with the man Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in the city of Jericho. Let's read the passage here, Luke 19. It says, Now Yeshua entered Jericho and was passing through. And here was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Yeshua was, but he couldn't because of the crowd, for he was short in height. So he ran ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see Yeshua, for he was about to pass by through the city. Now when Yeshua came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus hurried and came down and welcomed him joyfully. But when everyone saw it, they began to grumble amongst themselves, saying, Yeshua has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Whoa, what's he doing with that guy? See, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Not exactly a profession that people looked up to. Now remember, Israel was under Roman rule at this time, and tax collectors worked for the Romans. They were despised, hated even. They were, they were considered like traitors. So when Yeshua said to Zacchaeus, come down from that tree, Zacchaeus probably felt something he had never felt before. The Messiah cares for me. He cares for me. When Yeshua said, I'm coming over to your house to stay, wow, I'm coming over to your house to have dinner, he was saying, hey, I care for you, buddy. I want to get to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. I care for you. I love you. You don't have to have it all together before God loves you. You don't have to clean up your act 
come down out of the tree to go to dinner. If we had to wait until we cleaned up our act, probably none of us would have had a chance. Do you know the name Zacchaeus means pure one? Do you think anyone in that town called him pure one? I'm sure they had a few choice words or names for him, like fraud, cheat, traitor, collaborator. Yeshua didn't say, hey, you, hey, you, mister, come down out of that tree. No, he said, uh, pure one, come down. The religious leaders at the time probably flipped out. They were waiting for Yeshua to call, me, to call them down, you know. Hey, look, I'm, I'm here. I'm the scholar. I got all the credentials. Hey, Mr. Religious Scholar. He was looking for, you know, hey, Sister Do-Right, let's go to dinner. Hey, Mr. Head of that 10,000-member congregation. No, instead he called Zacchaeus, the little guy up in the tree, the tax collector. You may be up in a tree, so to speak, trying to deal with your issues in life, but I'm here to tell you, we all got issues. Yeshua is saying, come down, forgiven child. Come down, redeemed daughter. Come down, my favorite one. Yeshua's point to choose Zacchaeus over all the, quote, good people, the perfect people, was to let us know that our performance doesn't determine God's love for us. Our human condemning nature wants to say, if I can just break this bad habit, if I can just get over this addiction, if I could get cleaned up and get, you know, live right, God will love me more. As soon as I have my life together, no. What are you waiting for? Will you come down? Will you receive his love? Will you go to dinner with him, so to speak? Or do you want to stay up in a tree and keep condemning yourself? By faith, I believe I am the one God loves. Can you repeat that with me? By faith, I believe I am the one God loves. By faith, I believe I am the one God loves. By faith, I believe that despite my failures, despite my mistakes, God has a plan for my life. By faith, I believe God has a plan for my life. Can you say that with me? By faith, I believe God has a plan for my life. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, it says, This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atonement for our sins. Real love is God's love for us. If we try to perform in order to earn it, we'll end up failing. There will always be a reason why you can't quite measure up. You'll get it this time and the next two times not, and then you'll be always trying to perform. So why don't we take the pressure off and just receive God's real love? You know, when you love somebody, you look at them directly. You face each other and look in each other's eyes. You gaze at each other. That's why you have iPhones with FaceTime, right? Psalm 105 verse 4 says, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. 
seek his face. Psalm 27, verse 8 says, You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Have you ever seen a mother hold her baby and smile and speak softly while gazing into her child's face? And that baby smiles back into her mom's face and eyes. Have you ever seen a young father hold his little son or daughter and say, why, he it, oh, it looks just like me. Okay. Our heavenly father's face is turned towards you. You are his favorite child. You are the one he loves. Receive his love. Seek the Lord's face. Know that he loves you no matter what. Be confident in his love. Enjoy your relationship with the Lord because he's going to take your places and bless you richly. Shabbat shalom.